Hey, welcome to the She Heard podcast hosted by author and speaker Laurie Green Westlake. On the She Heard podcast, we cover everything from a woman's role in the church to deep and unexpected dives into your favorite Bible heroes. Laurie's passion is to equip women with courage, boldness, and bravery through biblical study and inspiring narrative. Be sure to check out lauriegreenwestlake.com for additional resources. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's so good to have you on the podcast today on our show. It's I've got a I've got a lot of deep things on my brain and I'm going to try to explain it in a way that you guys get me. Although a lot of people are saying I don't get you, Laurie. So maybe you will, maybe you won't. But I'm gonna start here. When I stop to consider, I mean deeply consider how earth is a mere shadow of the realities of heaven, I get excited. And in today's show, we'll talk about how the earth and all of it continuously speaks of God's majesty and his plan and his character and his love. Crazy, I know. But hey, let me back up and tell you, I am Laurie Westlake, and you are listening to the She Heard podcast. The reason we call this She Heard is, yes, I am looking for a herd of women warriors that are ready to take over the world. But more practically, She Heard, H-E-A-R-D, means she heard the gospel and responded. She heard the truth and she shared it. And then she heard of their needs, and she prayed for them, and she met them. And that's what being a woman of God is all about, walking in the power, in the very power of God and the Holy Spirit. Hey, women out there, God's power, God's leadership, God's service, God's miracles are not for men alone. We are created equal. And while I am a complementarian, I, well, actually, I think we determined in an earlier podcast that I'm an Ezeritarian because I believe in the Ezer role, the guardian woman, the woman who was supposed to make all the difference for Adam. And today, because we have been redeemed, we do. But that is another podcast in the way back. Go back to the my very first one, God's Plan for Women. Listen to my, all you'll hear me talk about easier along the way. But today, 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 I want to get into how God's creation mirrors who he is and uh, why we are here and the excitement about that. And the reason why this is important to me today, and I feel like it's important for you too, is as the world gets crazier and crazier, I mean, crime is up. Our murder rates here in Albuquerque are already going through the roof. I mean, it's we're still early in the year. Um, car theft the dollar, the value of the dollar seems to be dropping, and there's some scare tactics about that. The economy, inflation, 
China, Russia, all these things that are going on. Oh, and the skirmishes going on with Israel today, too. There's just so much going on in the world that I think it's very easy to stick our heads in the sand and go, no, we just want things to go as normal. But the truth is, we know the Bible. We know the end. And we know, if not now, sometime in the future, near future, we are going to have bigger world problems. And as I said, we know that because we know the end, because we've read. And as far as the timing goes, if you do the math, and that, you know, to really get the math down is another podcast, but just the the idea that the earth is over 6,000 years old, and when Jesus was alive and walking and teaching on earth as a man, he was saying in these last days. And so in, in thinking about that, in thinking about the timing, and I'm not a date setter and I don't want to set the timing, I just want to be what he has called us to be during these days, and that is aware of what he's doing so that we can seize amazing opportunity to share him with those who have no hope for those that are really experiencing the crisis. So I hope I'm making sense to you. I'm kind of going way high to the 30,000 foot view of my platform to be brave, but it all is connected. It is all connected to the era we live in now and what we are to be doing and how we as women can actually step up and step out of our comfort zone and be powerful agents for the gospel powerful, powerful agents in these days of harvest in Great Commission work. So as I said, I was looking at a parable, contemplating the timing of everything, and I came across the parable of the fig tree. And that parable is found in Luke, and I was really taken with it because in this parable, the garden owner comes to the gardener and notices this fig tree that is not fruiting and hasn't fruited. And I believe it was three years. I don't have that open in my Bible. I'm going from memory here. And and you can look it up. Get on Google and just Google the parable of fig tree. And isn't it amazing how quickly we can find scripture and commentaries at our fingertips? So my question, my side note is, why aren't we looking up more and researching more when it's so easy for us to access uh, commentaries and explanations or other people's explanations of scripture, including the parables? But anyway, this vineyard, Orchard owner comes to the main gardener and says, well, cut down that tree. It's using up valuable soil. Now, soil often in parables is um, a metaphor for teachings and learnings and where we're getting our nutrients from when we're compared to plants like the grapevine. But the gardener in this particular parable says to the garden owner, to the orchard owner, well, give me one more year. Give me one more year. And then if this tree does not fruit, I will cut it down. So the 
metaphor here is that God is the vineyard owner, and he comes and says, you're fruitless. You are a fruitless vessel. We're going to cut you down. And we see that repeated in the, or that thought repeated, or that idea repeated in the in John when uh, Jesus is talking about um, the grapevine and the vineyard and how the fruitless branches are cut away. That's kind of the same thing here. But Jesus, the gardener, says to the vineyard orchard owner, give me one more year. And so I think that is a a look at the era we are in now, the the time from Christ's ascension to the time he returns. Is this one more year to get us all to be fruitful? And I'm not saying that one year equal a thousand years. I'm not saying that one year equal anything. I'm just saying it's a shorter time span now than the history of the earth and people. We are looking at a shorter time till his return. Does that make sense to you? I hope so. If not, you all can email me at lauriemilagro at gmail.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E-M-I-L-A-G-R-O at gmail.com. And I'll try to do a better job of explaining it. And I'll probably blog about this as well. But to truly understand why the parables are there and what they're teaching us, we have to first understand that everything in creation, including that barren fig tree, everything in creation is teaching us something about uh, the Lord and his majesty and um, who he is and what he's doing in the world today. Now, I'm going to tell you that... Years ago, I started following who I think is a phenomenal Bible teacher, and that is Jennifer Kennedy Dean. You can Google her, Jennifer Kennedy Dean. And one of the Bible studies that I did from her is called The Power of the Blood of Christ. And she teaches on the metaphor of uh, blood and how what blood teaches us about Christ. And it is a fascinating study. But she sets up her study talking about what I'm talking about now, this whole idea that everything is teaching us about God. And I originally begin to have those thoughts from Psalm 19. You know, the Psalm that says the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim his righteousness. There is no speech or language where his voice is not heard. That set that those verses from Psalm 19, those are the ones that I begin to, to say, what is, what are the skies proclaiming? What are the heavens teaching us? And that kind of started me on this pathway of looking at the whole earth, all of creation, metaphorically. And um, certainly Jennifer in this book really took me to a much deeper level. So I'd like for you to look it up and see if it's if it's still in print. It was published in 2013. If it's still in print, I highly recommend it. 
But let me, I'm going to borrow some of her teaching and I've added some of my own words. So Jennifer, if you ever listen to this, I'm not plagiarizing. I am honoring you by saying this is crazy good stuff that you have written. But she starts with a scripture from Romans 1.20 that says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, which are his eternal power and divine nature, right? Which are his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. That's a very complicated way to make this statement, but we all know when Paul is speaking Greek, the way that it gets translated, sometimes he does come off rather complicated. Plus, plus he has these massive run-on sentences. <laughs> and so it's sometimes just hard to decipher. So let's break it down. What does it mean when we should see God in creation? I think that is what this is saying, that when we look at creation, We should see God in it. And yes, but it also means more. Our creator made man in his image, right? And he made him in his image to speak to us about himself, what he is like. If we are made in his image, then we are like him, but we are not holy yet, but we are saved and we are definitely redeemed. But to mirror God is to have some of his attributes. And, and isn't that interesting? It's a deeper connection with God than I think we really understand. L- let me try this. Think about the love of God. You reflect that. But he first loved. It's not that we have this love and we go, oh, God uses our love for one another to explain his love for us. No, he created the love in us to show us what his love is like. And this amazing love, you have the ability to reflect that. We don't always do that because of sin and because we are not fully glorified yet, and we will be at his second coming, but we reflect that now. And think about joy. Aren't we told over and over again that we can have the joy of the Lord? Well, that means the Lord had the joy first. So the joy that you sometimes feel uh, if you're on vacation or when you hold your baby for the first time or when you're standing at the altar getting married or when you're just, you know, relaxing and feeling so contented, that is God's character showing up in you. God had it first. And now you reflect that. So let me ask you this. Does God laugh? Does he smile upon us? Or does he look down at us in disgust? I think he looks down at us and smiles. I think the good things in us, the joy, the laughter, even the humor in us is put there because it first belonged to him. The Lord uses a bride and a groom to speak of the connectedness between his children, his people, and himself. Well, think about this in this context. He first loved us this much. He uses marriage as a metaphor. It's not like he looked down and said, Hey, look, team, 
those people getting married and everything, that that really could be a good example of how I feel about you and the things that I want for you. But it's the other way around. He created marriage. He created the man and woman together as one to speak to us about that connectedness he has in the Trinity. Isn't this amazing? It it just it's a shift in our thinking where we begin to see that we really have more of a connection to God, even though you may not be walking with him right now in the way that you did in the past or in the way that you want to, that connectedness is there. It's more of stopping and realizing how much a part of you he is. And so now I'm going to kind of skip Back to the parable that I talked about the of the fig tree and use that, what I told you about it, as an example of creation, because creation mirrors him as well. I told you about Psalm 19, when the, the verse that I just love and had kind of started me on this, what does that mean? What is God saying here? That the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the works of his hands? Well, the verbs there, declare and proclaim, are statements. It means not only do the heavens tell us that there is evidence of a creator, But the heavens are telling us about that creator because day after day, they pour forth speech. That is that psalm. Day after day, they're teaching us something about God. So here's the deal. Hebrews 11.3 kind of takes that psalm, not specifically, but for me, and creates a extended thought. And here is Hebrews 11.3. I hope it'll kind of things are kind of gelling for you and kind of making sense here. But by faith, Hebrews 11.3, by faith, we understand that the the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Again, that's a very complicated verse, so let me translate this into Lari language. By faith, the foundation the foundation of our salvation is faith, right? So by faith, we comprehend that God formed the scene. God formed the material, the visible world, not from the materials on hand, but from a super natural, spiritual, and unseen with physical eyes world called heaven. When we go back to Genesis, we see that the material world, earth, was formed by what? By God's voice, by his speaking. When the Lord spoke, when the thoughts of the supernatural invisible realm where God is, was dwelling, does dwell now. When he spoke those thoughts, the material took form. So here's what we know. Spiritual reality existed before 
material reality. The earth, the earth is declaring God's thoughts. How crazy is that? How how deep crazy is that? <laughs> I know some of you just clicked off. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay, because I'm hoping if you stick with me in these podcasts, uh, I use these key verses and these key thoughts for a lot of my explanations as to who we are, where identity lies, and what we are capable of. So basically, let me kind of put this in the most simple way possible. God's material creation is an allegory to illustrate reality where God exists. God exists in reality, and we are the shadow of that reality. Earth is a visible picture of spiritual truth. So why does this matter? How does this connect to the the one year left for the gardener to work on the fig tree so that it would fruit. Because I think when we approach this world from the standpoint that it is temporary and that what is ahead is a bigger better picture of what we have now, then I think a lot of people will move from depression and hopelessness to hope. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? So it is through Jesus that we have obtained this inheritance of heaven. And it is in the personhood of Jesus that we will really experience true love. But when we think about existing someday in the future, or maybe some of your loved ones already exist in heaven, I have a father and a brother. My brother died at a very young age, and he's been in heaven for 10 years now, Charles Green. And when I think about him there, I think how wonderful for him, because he is in the reality of what earth was created from. And so when I get to heaven, I'm not stepping into beautiful clouds with angels floating around with harps, although those two things probably exist there. But I am stepping into something that is familiar. And I have been living in the shadow of that familiarity. And when I get there, I am going to see the real thing. And so when we are raptured, we're going to be in the real thing. And then we will come back and reign in the thousand year reign. Again, I'm not not saying any of this to say, isn't it great that we're close? Although I personally believe with all my heart we are. But I'm saying if if that scares you and if you put your head in the sand because you just don't want to deal with the problems of today, but also you don't want to think about leaving the great stuff you have here. You don't want to think about things being radically different because you love your life here. Let me tell you something. You're supposed to love your life here. 
But you're also supposed to know that this life has nothing for you. And if what we have right now is nothing for us, imagine what we have ahead. So in my very weird way, this is my encouragement for you. Do not be afraid. Do not dread what is ahead. Because in the eternal, it's going to be amazing. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I. I feel like I just dove a little bit too deep, and <laughs> so maybe listen to this two or three times and see if you start to get where I'm coming from, but we'll talk more about it in the future. Also, I've been, to get the inventory of the podcast up, I've been doing two a week, but it's becoming really hard for me to do two podcasts a week because I am behind in two books that I am writing for my publisher. And so I have got to get back to writing some. And um, just a lot going on in the spring, as you know. So watch for my weekly announcements, you know, whether you're on Apple or Spotify, just watch for the weekly podcast. And then of course, when I just can't stand it in the middle of the week, when I get encouraged or excited about something, I'll probably throw up a podcast again. But this is Laurie Green Westlake. You can find me at lauriegreenwestlake.com where I have blogs and books that you can take a look at. You can also find my books on Amazon. My author name is L. G. Westlake. And here's the thing you need to know. Let's build an army. Let's let's be strong. Let's be courageous. And let's have our perspective in the right place. And let's put our identity in Christ because we are made in his image. Love you all. Thank you for all the likes and the ratings. And it helps me It helps encourage me so much when you do that. And it also helps spread the podcast. Hey, have a wonderful rest of your week.